0: Uh, South by Southwest has been incredible so far, so much inspiration, so much creativity, and today we will be applying that creativity to mobility. So my name is Sarah Dichi, I am a tech YouTuber and I'm really excited to be here. There will be a Q&A section at the end. You can submit a question uh, via the South by app if, you know, anything comes up. Um, And today we are going to be talking about autonomous vehicles and how they can give you more time to do what you love, more time to create or just more time to enjoy what you love. So let's bring out our three guests. (laughs) Come on, guys. Awesome. So up first, we have the chief technology officer of Mercedes-Benz, Marcus Schaefer. Mercedes-Benz is leading the technology charge as one of the most prestigious and renowned legacy car makers and valuable automotive companies in the world. Marcus, welcome.
1: It's great to be here. Actually, it's my first appearance here at uh, South by Southwest. I guess I missed a lot of things. So, so <laughs> great to welcome. be here. Welcome.
0: Uh, also joining us is RJ, the founder and CEO of Zinc. Uh, they have created an entertainment platform for cars to enable streaming gaming, and a lot more.
2: Thank you, Sarah. Great to be here.
0: I might need a mic. I'll I'll switch to a mic if I need. Um, But we have Austin Russell, who received a Peter Thiel Fellowship and dropped out of Stanford uh, to start Luminar and led it to a billion-dollar IPO. Austin Luminar pioneered a new type of LiDAR architecture designed to enable autonomy at higher speeds and at scale. Austin, welcome.
3: Yeah, thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, yeah. I will take that mic, by the way. Okay, perfect. Okay, so Marcus, we are going to start with you. When someone thinks Mercedes-Benz, they think luxury, um, but they also think, you know, tradition, a legacy car maker. So how does Mercedes-Benz hold their own against these new tech companies that are moving very fast?
1: Well, it's a pretty interesting uh, group here on the stage, and that uh, kind of reflects the way we're doing business now. Uh, so way back then, uh, we were a startup. We were a startup 137 years ago, a disruptor. (laughs) The founding fathers disrupted, really, what was happening way back then. The dominant way of transportation was horses, right? Uh, Way back then, and they came up with the crazy idea to invent a car. So this is 137 years ago. So it was always the pioneering spirit uh, of this company uh, to disrupt. So now it's time to disrupt again. and uh, different ways of doing business, so uh, we're disrupting also the way we create cars, the future, and we work together, and we're working with startups, uh, growth tech companies here, so we have some new ways of working, and that's really exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. Austin Luminar recently uh, inked a deal with Mercedes-Benz to provide your LiDAR technology um, to Mercedes. So, um, you know, what Marcus was talking about, how has it been to work with Mercedes-Benz, a legacy auto manufacturer? Uh, is, there, is their spirit the same in some ways, different in others? How, how's it been?
3: Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Well, I, I think re- Mercedes at the end of the day is, is at the pinnacle and intersection of you know performance and safety in automotive. You know, historically with the vehicles, and I think uh, this whole partnership that they have with, with Luminar is really taking things to the next level in those dimensions. And that applies when it comes to autonomous driving, when it comes to next gen safety, when it comes to all these new capabilities that can be enabled. And <clears throat> seeing it now, you know, on on more vehicles. You know getting across the the lineup that's what makes all the difference in making the huge steps that are needed um as part of a, a transformation and the cool part is is just um the from a collaboration standpoint how much you know they're pushing and we're pushing uh, to be able to just create that cutting edge for what's possible. And uh, it goes to show that, um, like I say I think you know, Mercedes and their whole team is uh, driving the innovation for the field holistically, um, you know, compared to a lot of the rest of the landscape for um, the performance and pushing the performance for what's possible.
0: Mm-hmm. All of this is happening so fast. So for people who are just now catching up, hearing these things like autonomous driving, um, can you explain a little bit, like what is LiDAR technology? What about that enables cars to be autonomous?
3: Yep, so so basically uh, LiDAR stands for Light Detection and Ranging. We have these sensors that send out, you know, millions of laser pulses into the environment to measure the exact distance to where different objects are down to centimeter level precision. So that allows the cars to be able to see and understand everything around it in the environment uh, all the way out, you know, past, uh, you know, 250, 300 meters. Even for the hardest to see, you know, objects way out in the distance, bright sunlight, pitch black, you know, whatever it may be. But the key is all about that accuracy and the distinction. The hard part about autonomous driving, the hard part about, you know, these next-gen safety systems, all comes down to that last one percent those edge cases that you can't foresee these things that happen in everyday driving and uh the or and but frequently enough that it can it can cause serious implications or uh, collisions if you don't see it so that's the whole point of where we come into play it's not just about 99 percent you know accuracy or reliability it's you you have you know 10 nines worth of that accuracy and reliability of understanding the exact distance to these objects. And that's what makes all the difference in being able to successfully and safely deploy uh, these next generation autonomous systems and leading the field.
0: Hmm. RJ, uh, you are in the early stages of building Zinc, and you have had a close relationship now with Mercedes. Uh, Tell us a little bit more about Zinc and what it's been like working with Mercedes-Benz.
2: Well, I think what's really cool is our company serves as an ambassador in a way between two worlds that don't typically interact, which is entertainment and automotive. And that's been something that I think has been fascinating because we have to be able to translate, let's say, the requirements from both in a way where you can actually bring this product to the road, because I mean, all of us watch streaming video on our living rooms, right? And you might think, oh, how hard is it to just watch a movie in the car? But when you think about how regulated uh, the space is and the safety implications and the fact that we also have to ensure that all these various bandwidth scenarios are accounted for it's actually quite a technical challenge to deliver real-time streaming video to cars. So in that way, it's been an amazing collaboration. And also Marcus knows this, you know, it's it's not just for everyone at Zinc who loves the collaboration with the Mercedes team, and Austin, you mentioned that too, but also for me, I mean, I've been a Mercedes fan since I was a you know little kid. So it, it feels like a dream to be able to to work together. And certainly we're also in that same scenario, as you mentioned, that we have to make sure that it's, it's the, uh, the existing hardware is also fitting to what our software-based requirements are. And that's something I think, because Zinc is natively integrated into the infotainment system. So I think that collaboration is just, it's really, it's its because of both parties um, putting their, their best effort into it. Yeah.
0: And I've had the opportunity to drive the new EQS SUV and to have those, it's not just one screen, right? It's multiple screens. And so I imagine depending on what car manufacturer it's, Pretty cool to have a lot of screens to put content on.
2: Well, and the rear seat, too, and so yes. you really, you have so many applications.
0: Uh-huh. So many screens. Um, so let's see how these collaborations are bringing the future of driving into the present and see what is fact and what is science fiction. So we have a video for you guys. We were out and about at the start of South By and asked people what they do if they could hand over driving to their cars. Hey, y'all. We're here in Austin, Texas with Mercedes-Benz, and we want to know what people would do in their cars if they didn't have to focus on driving. So let's go and find out.
3: Yeah, if I didn't have to spend my time driving, I would definitely spend more time being present with myself, meditating, and probably reading.
0: I spend a lot of time in the car in my regular life. I used to have to drive a lot for work, sometimes a 1,000 miles a week. I think the best benefit for autonomous driving is being able to get some more time for yourself.
2: If I didn't have to sit in traffic like on 360 in the morning, I would probably spend that extra time having my third cup of coffee. <laughs>
0: my boyfriend definitely wants like a
2: nice fancy autonomous car so that he can just hang back and watch some Netflix while he's driving and I can be the
0: passenger princess. My dream car of the future would have enough space for me to put on my laptop, but also, you know, when I'm sitting with friends, I want to see their facial expression. So for us to, you know, sit together and talk to each other. So Mercedes-Benz, they already have a form of automated driving called Drive Pilot. So Marcus, how much of this fully automated future is happening now?
1: Well, it's actually uh, happening now. So the Drive Pilot uh, is something what we would say is really relu- revolutionary. So uh, it's the first level three system in the world, and Mercedes-Benz is the first OEM that was certified according to level three. And this, I have to say, really makes us proud uh, to be the first. And this really fits with the uh, history of the company here. So you see that level three conditional uh, driving, automated driving, really, really puts the driving task to the car. And that's really, we call it moonshot, actually. That's a moonshot moment for us. where not the driver is uh, in charge anymore. It's, it's the car. And so this leaves you uh, time to do perform tasks, watch videos, be productive in the car, um, do video conferencing, and that's just you know the beginning of thinking about endless opportunities, what you could do in the car and you listen to the people, I mean everybody has a different idea what you would do if you were released from driving. But it's made right now uh, on a safe, safe level uh, to perform in heavy traffic, so the utmost priority for us is safety. That's why we're starting on highways. We're starting with a max of 40 miles per hour, 60 kilometers uh, in Germany. And uh, yes, we have the uh, release in Germany and for 40, almost 40 countries under this uh, regulation. So the European continent uh, would be covered. We are now in the US applying for level three as the first OEM, so we got the positive feedback from the state of Nevada. The application is in California, which is a huge market for us. And I've been in traffic jam the last few days in Los Angeles, (laughs) Uh, I-10, I believe. And that's not really fun if you sit there in congested traffic and and imagine you just push the button and you've seen the green lights on the steering wheel and the car uh, just indicates, okay, now the car is in charge and uh, fully takes over. So what happens to you? So your eyes can be off the road, and that's really the roof evolutionary thing. And your hands can be off legally. And that's, that's the crucial point here. So you can do this legally, hands off, eyes off the road. What you cannot do is sleeping. Not yet, so I'm coming to that maybe later. But uh, at least your eyes don't have to be on the road. But you always uh, have to be ready to take over in case the car asks you take over again. So, but this offers up so much time to do something different. Maybe only relax, but... Maybe watching some videos? Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right. I think that's (laughs) going to be the favorite favorite thing. And, uh, well, we have to tailor the videos also for this use case, right? So, typically it doesn't take two hours. Hopefully it doesn't take two hours to get through the traffic there. But, uh, so we have to talk about the right format. Is that we offer our customers, so and that's just the beginning uh, that this technology offers to us. Yeah, right.
3: and, it, and it's amazing, like you know, when you think about it, you know, people spend on average what you know, uh, five or as much as 10% of their waking hours, you know, in a car, either commuting or anything. I don't know about you guys. I, I actually, ironically, you know, I love to drive, but I hate to commute. Mm-hmm. And like this solves that exact problem, where you get to recover that time and utilize all of that on on highways and. Uh, mm-hmm. Expanding to higher speeds and I think that that whole vision just is uh, was fantastic about you know How do you enhance the driver? How do you make the driving experience better? It's um, and, and obviously a very different approach than You know the other kinds of autonomous types of companies out there or automakers that are focusing on re- trying to replace the driver which is uh, You know TBD on how, how that materializes whereas you guys are already doing it today mm-hmm.
0: Marcus, I'm curious. A woman in the video says she's excited to have more time to be a passenger princess. Do you know what that is?
1: <laughs> no, what is? That?
0: Do you know what that is, RJ? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Essentially, when you're not driving and your significant other is, you can just be the passenger princess. You can eat food. You can do whatever. You can live your best life. So everyone will be able to be passenger princesses with, with autonomous driving.
1: Oh, that's that's cool, but yeah. uh, one,
0: he's like, one, I don't know how to, to react to that.
3: Yeah, we got to get <laughs> caught up on the Gen Z term.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm trying to one,
1: help. One person was saying, uh, so it's going to use the laptop, so we don't need a laptop anymore. The car can do this thing, so you don't forget mm. about the laptop. So.
0: Yeah, car will do it got plenty him. of screens, right?
1: Plenty of screens and they will perform the task of a laptop, be sure. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm curious for each of you, what is your form of entertainment? Are you guys going to be TikTok swipers or uh, Netflix watchers? What, what would that be in the perfect world?
2: Well, I mean, maybe I can speak a little bit about this. <laughs> yes. I, I kind of think about this for many waking hours a day. Um, <laughs> There, there's something cool that I think we're starting to see already because now we're already live in over 20 markets with Mercedes-Benz and this, is, this number is growing. And one thing that I think has been just really fascinating is seeing what categories people are actually spending their time in. Of course, movies are something that we all think of. When you see a really great picture and you see that you've got a promotion for a new movie that you wanted to see, maybe you, know, you feel, okay, I'll use that charge time to, to catch up. But actually it turns out that short form content is some of our highest performing content in Zinc. So whether that's news, educational content, uh, people, you know they also, they, they like to be able to ha- find a variety of different things. But, so that means movies, streaming video, this is clearly a use case that you think of with a screen. But what is really amazing, and have you guys seen the hyperscreen? Because this thing is badass. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's it's honestly one of the most gorgeous, uh, it's not even just about cars. I mean, just in general, from an audiovisual experience, it's amazing. And then when you think about mood lighting, you think about all of the amazing Dolby Atmos, all of the different audiovisual capabilities that are present, you start to really think about what can you do with all of those ingredients? Because video is just the first step. It's What happens when you can make that even more immersive what happens if you can actually make that a multi-sensory experience so i think that there's definitely some some ideas that we can we can work on towards mm-hmm. um, making that feel more than just a two-dimensional screen but more of an experiential environment
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think my, my favorite part actually probably was uh, productivity so uh, so i'm running around with uh, you know my ipad my laptop running at the same time uh, so product Productivity probably video conferencing would be my favorite thing. Uh, but once in a while, a movie would be nice.
2: You'd be watching a movie with somebody else while you're video conferencing them. <laughs> we make our new version of a drive-in cinema, like that's <laughs> right.
3: Yeah, I mean you basically have like a what a rolling supercomputer and driving cinema and you know uh, superhuman Gaming perception console. system on wheels. Right. You know that so uh, it's that's effectively what what you built, right? Mm-hmm. So pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Well, you guys set this up perfectly. Marcus, you actually brought a short film for us. So let's roll one more video. <laughs> Is yeah, it's it actually not
1: sci-fi. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's real. It's yeah. real and sorry, ballet guys. So uh, it's real already. Mm-hmm. So real it's in awesome. Stuttgart. So that's happening actually as we speak uh, in Stuttgart in parking garages. You drop off your Mercedes and uh, it parks itself.
3: Yeah. And yeah. ironic considering, I'm like laughing, because literally last week uh, like a valet at a hotel I was staying I just crashed my car. So no. I, I, I kid you not, so that's exactly what, what oh. we need going forward.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So when it comes to autonomous driving, can can Marcus and Austin explain a little bit about the different levels? You know, you mentioned level three. what what the heck does that even mean?
1: Well, uh, let's, let's go back to what we have seen uh, right now, this valet parking. Actually, that's level four. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, there's no driver in the car anymore. So, the car is driverless. You just uh, stop in this parking garage, leave the car, and off the car goes and parks itself. So, that's level four. And, by the way, also this requires certification. <laughs> and uh, that's what we achieved after working like on level three for almost two years, on achieving the certification with a certification body in Europe, so we're the first ones also receiving a level 4, an official level 4 certification uh, for a car that parks itself without a driver. So uh, again, that's uh, in Europe, and we're planning uh, rolling this out in different parking garages around the world, uh, and that's level 4 here. But I think there's lots of confusion on these different levels, so level 1, level 2 to level 5, and um, just to start with level one, this is uh, basically a cruise control. That's a cruise control system, just controlling the distance to the car in front of you. That's the first level of automation. Second level, and most of the cars, I have to say almost every car today is a level two car, if it's not a robot taxi for commercial uses. So most of the vehicles today are basically on a level two uh, system, an enhanced level two system and additionally it does steering mm-hmm. so uh, it does the lateral control and it does the steering and it keeps you actually in the lane so pretty good assistance takes some stress away in some conditions but the real thing is to move from level two to level three and that's why i have this little rocket here so indicating this is the moonshot thing for me where really you can take your eyes and hands off and kind of hand over to the vehicle. That's really where the magic, the magic really happens. And that's the most complicated step, I would say, to move. Because uh, the car needs to perform really, really, really safely. And uh, safety is, is the, whole, the whole name of the game here. And that's why you need a lot of technology in these cars moving uh, to this level here. Of course, different sensors. And we're going to talk about all the sensors we need here on level three. Uh, this is LiDAR. Of course, we need a LiDAR sensor. Definitely, we depend on the LiDAR here. Cameras and radar systems. But uh, that's only, not only enough. Also, microphones. We have microphones in the car. If an emergency vehicle is just approaching, the microphone in the car will know hey, I have to pull uh, to the right side here. So always we're complying with the legal regulations in the country, in this case in our application in the U.S. here. So there's you know a whole suite of sensor sets, redundant sensor sets controlling each other, different uh, signals uh, delivering to the supercomputer in the car, and redundancy in steering and braking and in boardnet. So you have a second redundant boardnet in the car. A second steering, redundant steering, like in an airplane and uh, you have a redundant braking system in the car so the effort you're pulling off here is uh, absolutely absolutely huge mm-hmm. but it pays back it pays back and gives you time uh, but this is the magic that happens uh, moving to level three and then level four uh, this would allow you to sleep in the car so and that's what we're working on I would say in the time frame between 2025 and 2030 to enable you to sleep in the car, closing the eyes, which you cannot do today. But imagine you're on a highway and you are also allowed to close your eyes. And that's not science fiction. I think this is around the corner. It takes super compute and it takes the best uh, technology, including LIDARs, that uh, you can get to get to this stage here. So, on a highway, that's the easier task. To go urban with level four, that's a huge task. That's a huge task, a huge problem to solve. That's why moving to level five, then we're in a robo taxi uh, scene. The uh, sensor set and technology is extremely expensive here. And that's something more for commercial use. So, in level five, we see this is commercial use. And the levels three and four are private are private use cases for privately uh, owned vehicles and that's the way of Mercedes pushing the envelope here. Um, so now we are level 3 and this is the early beginning and I mentioned the speed and we are going to increase speed next year already in Germany uh, on German Autobahns going from the current 60 kilometers then to 90 kilometers. So it's starting on a safe ground and then just gradually improving the system. And having a very open dialogue also with the regulators, and that's key. That's what we did here in the U.S. for the last two years, actually. For example, in California, working with the DMV, with the uh, highway police, with NHTSA and all the regulators um, to explain what the system is capable of and what the system is not capable of. And it's also very, very important to explain it to our customers. In which mode are you? Are you now in level 2 mode? Are you in level 3 mode? So uh, there should, at no point, mode confusion. The customer should always know in which mode the car is. That's why we have the green light in the steering wheel. And when this green syrian light is on, our customers know, now I'm in level 3 mode. I can take my hands off, take my eyes off. But if you're in level 2 mode and you would just uh, turn your eyes away, I mean, the car would immediately remind you, that you are not in conditionally automated driving mode. So uh, the interaction with the customers is so so important. That's why UI, the user interface and the user journey is so so important. And so many engineers in Mercedes are working on this user journey and user studies, uh, just to avoid that there is any confusion of mode uh, you are in. So uh, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to uh, move safely from level two to level three. And uh, that's, that's what we did, and we are confident that we can push the envelope further here and you know, open up experience for whole new things.
0: Austin, yeah, what are those big inflection points for LiDAR that you have to solve to jump to level three and yeah. then to level four?
3: You know, it's, it's, it's funny, um, you know, taking a look back, what, uh, eight years ago now, in our first pitch deck, it had something actually to this effect here, but there was like a huge like chasm, like a Grand Canyon between level two and level three in terms mm-hmm. of the jump and what that means in terms of to be able to advance. Because you know the whole distinction is is that um, it's relatively straightforward to build a basic level two system. You know to be able to have it where uh, the, the car is doing, you know, some level of driving, but the human is constantly responsible for taking over at any given moment, any given second, when it makes a mistake. Um, Otherwise, you know, it's not nearly accurate and precise and reliable enough to be able to do any kind of autonomous driving. And I think that's fundamentally the distinction here, is that, you know, which can, all the naming out in the industry and the nomenclature for, you know, what people call and talk about self-driving, a lot of times really just is like level two systems that are not actually self-driving, they're they're assisted driving systems. So this is where we're really starting to see, and with Mercedes leading the charge here, that jump towards level three, level four, you know, et et cetera. And what really enables you to do that and do that at at high speed, you know, ultimately comes down to, you know, having this high performance LIDAR, great software capabilities, you know, the right, um you know development from them and from us and from also you know folks like nvidia there too along the way uh to make that successful and i think that uh that step function is huge but the the other thing to point out though too is that and I think this is a a really interesting and significant one is that even where you're even um outside of a you know the specific highway domain you know where you have the regulatory approval or you have these things for you know the higher levels of autonomy you know having these you know next gen you know ultra high performance uh, lidar capabilities in the cars can actually in, still enhance the adas driving capabilities and performance and everything of where it is today and push the envelope towards that you know performance and safety for even some of the base functions that sometimes people take for granted so that's i think uh what makes all the difference and this is a sort of a key to helping make that leap in that chasm from the beginning, so coming full circle to the moonshot. Mm -hmm.
0: When it comes to software and hardware, is it kind of a catch-22, chicken and the egg, or are you waiting for more data, or are you waiting for the chips to get cheaper and faster? Uh, What are some specifics that we need for that jump?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, talk about like collaboration, like the teams did a very, very deep dive in terms of like what what are the fundamental requirements from a hardware standpoint that are needed to make this possible and, you know, bu- building this, this solution to that. And that's where um, you know, basically with, with Mercedes, um, they're actually getting this next generation uh, LiDAR product from us called Iris Plus um, that, that we've been developing, as, and them as a lead partner for in, in deploying this, uh, that basically is as much as, you know, 3X the performance of you know, the previous generation systems to keep uh, moving the ball forward in what's possible. And I think, uh, of course, so that, that really accomplishes what is needed from a hardware standpoint. Uh, and then from a software perspective, that's where um, it's going to, you know, already off the bat, you can have significant improvements, but the cool part is, is that, um, you know, and I'm sure Marcus can speak more to this, but the cool part is cars can, can keep getting better and better and better over time with software there too. It's not just, you know, off the lot on day one where you can continue to make use of the just mind blowing quality of data that you can get out of the system uh, to build the best experience, the safest experience, the most autonomous experience for you know the users.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, as you said, everything develops at the same time, and it's not really a chicken egg thing. Uh, it's it's a constant uh, improvement of, of of everything. I mean the sensor technology. I mean Iris Two, and you will talk about this uh, later. I think that's an amazing amazing step forward when it comes to lidar technology. Um, so, but super compute, it needs also super compute power. I mean, yes. <laughs> so especially if you want to increase uh, speed, so we don't want to end uh, with uh, 80 or 90 kilometers per hour, so we want to push, push the envelope here and go uh, in the final stage to 70, 80 miles per hour on the interstate, uh, level three. This is a lot of data. This is a lot of data that uh, come to the, com- uh, to the compute unit, and uh, so it needs also... You know very very capable uh, cpu and, and gpu and ai uh, in the car so which hardware will develop and we're preparing with nvidia to get on the next level of super compute um, to be introduced actually already uh, next year that's our product that we are launching next level of autonomy and yes it needs uh, all ingredients i would say
0: rj you know i, I think watching things or taking meetings is kind of like the obvious next step but when we're getting to level three four uh can you give us some fun examples of maybe things we're not even thinking of i mean just seeing someone playing tetris is kind of funny but but what are what are those things that are in the back of your mind like oh my gosh in five ten years you know we're we're getting a lot of concept cars that now even hide the wheel and so thinking about the fact that oh it can be all screen uh what what are some of those things that we can be doing beyond just watching entertainment?
2: I love this question because I think in a way, maybe it could even go the other way, that there's mm-hmm. no screen, right? Mm-hmm. You have so many possibilities that are there. But ultimately, I, I, I also get the sense that when we're talking about this and we're reflecting on the comments from you know people that we've talked to on the street and just in general, our way that we look at this, it comes back to, being free to do whatever you want with your time. And ultimately, I think most people, when they have downtime, you know, they like to be entertained. So that's where we start because that's something that I think you don't really equate today with your car. When we first started building Zinc, I mean, funny enough, it's been five years that I've been working on videoing cars. And that Hmm. kind of shows you, again, that in the software world that I'm coming from, when you have an idea, you prototype it, you know, and then you just iterate, and then you launch it, and that's it. But in the automotive space, we have to ensure that safety is the number one priority. And so even with something like video streaming, when you have all of those ingredients, we know that the, the infotainment system already has safety functions built in. You still need to make sure that you can allow someone to regain control if they need to, you know, in a drive pilot scenario, regain, uh, you know, steering wheel control. Or there's there's other ways that you have to be a little bit more cognizant of what that mobility context requires. And I think one of the things that has happened over these past five years is kind of you know if you think about it when you're building a streaming service that's for your living room you have some assumptions that get built in there you assume that there's a stable bandwidth connection you assume that there's an onboard cache you assume that just a lot of things that allow for your set top box version of a streaming solution to function but in the car you know if you're driving through a tunnel what's going to happen you don't want to have an interrupted experience so zinka spent a lot of time optimizing for it's essentially a purpose-built product for that mobility environment. And I think that's what we're thinking about all the time is what will you want to do, but how can we also make that contextually relevant? So we have a lot of IP that is also related, related to time boxing and contextualization, personalization. So if you always like to watch the news on your way home, Why do you have to hunt and find that content in Mm -hmm. Zinc? It should be surfaced to you dynamically. So I think some of these innovations are already available in the product today, but what makes it really next level, that's coming in the future generations, and I think it's just it's going to be so exciting mm-hmm. um, to see what that can become
0: mm-hmm. I haven't heard that word before time boxing yeah. so that's what you just explained the little yeah, uh, so, service mean, up content for or example
2: I mean I, I'll tell you because the the way that zinc was started was that I was working on a project with an automaker and I was at the charger all the time and ultimately thinking well why am I watching this movie on my phone when I'm surrounded by all this AV infrastructure and you started to realize okay well What you really want in this scenario, if I'm at the charger for 27 minutes, then I just want 27 minutes of a content or entertainment experience to be surfaced. Mm. I don't wanna have that cognitive load. I don't know if you've heard this, but with one of the streaming services, they, they had done a report and it turns out that most people were spending between 12 and 15 minutes just browsing for something to watch. <laughs> well, in the mobility context, that doesn't work, right? Yeah. You need to be able to just do what you're looking for and get back to your original task. So time boxing is a way that in that charge context, we're able to, to do that dynamically.
0: Mm. Marcus, you mentioned earlier about, you know, how things are changing, not just at Mercedes-Benz, but the entire auto industry and how things that were once maybe, um, you know, you would use third parties for, um, you are bringing a lot of the relationship with hardware and software and figuring out things in-house. So how is that changing for Mercedes-Benz and and the greater change of the entire industry?
1: Well, this is a total disruption, Um, you know biggest disruption probably is you know the way we do business how we develop cars in a context of uh, things going digital uh, everywhere um, electrification maybe is is a disruption as well uh, but the even bolder disruption is on the software and a digital side so it's it's the way we develop cars it's the way we have relationships to our uh, tier 1, Tier 2, and there was an established system for the last 130 years of OEM, Tier 1, Tier 2, Tier 3. But imagine a world we're in right now where we're separating hardware and software. So this changes the game completely. So uh, and we decided we're going to take care about our operating system in the car ourselves. We separate software from hardware and we don't buy this silver box from a Tier 1 as we used to in the past. We are doing the software uh, in-house with our partners. We are selecting the chips. So we were never in control in the past about uh, choosing semiconductors and chips. That's what we are doing right now. We are selecting the chips so we know where they are built. We uh, determine the specification. Uh, We select the sensors and the hardware in the car and we separate them from software. And doing that we can create our own experience and the best experience for our customers and the continuous delivery of experiences even after, of course, we have delivered the car to the customer because the car is connected now I mean, with a high-performance connection to enable connectivity is everything there, so to stream but also to update the car OTA uh, all the time so this is a completely new way of working between an OEM and new partners and that's why we found our way together uh, and that's that's the new normal, I believe, at least for Mercedes-Benz and uh, is disrupting many, many business, existing business uh, on the tier one, tier two level. And uh, as we have to re- reinvent ourselves, uh, they have to reinvent themselves. So, and uh, of course, working with startups or with growth tech companies, that's a new experience also uh, that requires sometimes you know, to be flexible and rethink the traditional way of working and milestones so uh, but it's so exciting these days uh, after say uh, RJ and uh, Austin I think it's very exciting you know to figure out what we can do and we discover so many new ideas in this creative process uh, to come up with new products uh, for our customers
3: yeah, yeah no, <coughs> exactly and I think <coughs> That really makes all the difference there, too, in terms of that that collaboration. And I think you know obviously, with you guys um, you know partnering with you know leading technology companies in their fields, uh, it it disrupts the traditional business model altogether. As you said, you know, there's been a way of doing things and a way of uh, of working together that that isn't uh, built to keep up with the pace of innovation and just the level of of problems that are required. I mean, and I, and I think it can't be understated, you know, is probably like even just solving this level three problem and, you know, being able to push forward is, um, uh, you know, one of the most, um, technically complex, uh, sophisticated, you know, problems of our generation, you know, holistically, like it's, it's really, uh, really crazy. Just all the stuff that has to, has to come together and what has to be pushed, but that, that, that model and innovation cycle is is definitely interesting to see. It, it's, as you said, it's it's kind of funny, you know, we're pointing out that like 137 years ago, you know, Mercedes was a startup, you know, there too, and then became that, uh, and, and in some ways was also like a growth technology company through those early days as, I mean, cars were like technology at the most fundamental level. I mean, you guys like invented the car effectively. So, you know, it's it's pretty cool. Um, but I, I think, you know, that that model's disrupting. And then it's, it's funny, I was, as I was thinking through that, you know just as you guys had that that hundred view you, you know we we now um some of you may know this but we now have this uh, hundred year vision at luminar uh where you know our goal is to be able to save as many as 100 million lives and 100 trillion hours of people's time out on the road over the next 100 years so hope that one day we can be able to have um that kind of impact you know that you guys did throughout your history and there's obviously a lot more left to do to make this happen, but um, sounds like we're on the right track and partnering with the right companies. And you know, like not to mention, you know, from a content standpoint, other stuff, like all those second order effects that can happen when you realize that too, is really amazing.
2: I think there's another thing that I'm, I'm also just realizing. I think we all, we all are doing this day to day and sometimes we don't have the chance to zoom out and see what's actually happening. I think in this scenario, when you describe Marcus, the typical supplier relationship with an automaker, that, has rigidity by its nature because there's a specification and you deliver to the spec and that's it. And there isn't room for serendipity. There isn't room for innovation. And I think what you've also heard is we, I mean, at least for you and I, Austin, when we work with Mercedes, sometimes a good idea pops up that we didn't expect and you can pursue it and you can push it and you can, I think having this collaborative, you know, what what I like to call partnership model rather than supplier model, that is really not only just from a, a way of working but also the output because that is that's that creativity that's when that's when you get something
1: really special. Mm-hmm. So it has to do a lot with culture in a company and uh, so I can uh, of course speak about Mercedes-Benz and uh, our culture so uh, the right culture and the the openness uh, just to disrupt even our business model and go new ways. I mean that's that, it's a matter of culture and implementing this culture. And we do work a lot on culture besides technology and to get us ready for you know new partnerships and uh, always question ourselves, is this the right way we operate and change and change mm-hmm. if we think it's it's not leading uh, to the right result and if it's not fast enough and it's about speed, right? These days are uh, definitely about speed and that's uh, what we're executing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we hop into Q&A, I have one more question. This is a fun one for me. And I wanna make it a little bit interactive. You guys are gonna to have to raise your hand if you're like me. So I'm an American who had no idea about F1. And then this little Netflix series came along and I kind of became obsessed. And so I'm curious for, for out there, raise your hand if the past two or three years, you've kind of started to watch F1 because of a Netflix series. Yes, I'm not alone. Boom, okay. So I'm curious: Is there room in F1 for lidar technology? For because you know there's drivers you don't really think of that when it comes to racing, but uh, is is there room to use lidar uh, in in an F1 car in motorsport?
3: Awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, actually, what what's interesting? Well, I, I would say that in motorsport generally, um, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I would I would almost bucket this into three different uh, categories. You know, I think so. Um, but what, the first part is actually just related to high-performance vehicles, you know, as opposed to you know motorsport in and of itself. Which the the cool part is is that as these capabilities are advanced over time, like when you have this hardware on a vehicle, it's ultimately um, going to allow you and drivers, like and in car enthusiasts, to push the vehicle. But without going past these safety guardrails there too where you're running it off the road, because right. that's always, you know, the danger of, of you know pushing the performance of the car. So, you know, if you can do so in a safe, fun way, it makes makes a huge difference. And by the way, yeah, you can see a, a blowout of the uh, next generation, you know, iris that, that we have or Iris plus, you know, that's that's there and showing that kind mm-hmm. of experience, you know, um, for the for the cars. But Uh, as it relates to the other other aspects of the, you know, the motorsport stuff and other things from, uh, uh, they're actually, uh, for example, like IndyCar, you know, right now, they have this program where they're actually running uh, Luminar-equipped race cars around a track, you know, fully autonomous with these different uh, teams and universities there, too, that are racing around. Um, And the cool part is they can do it in broad daylight. They can literally do the same thing in pitch black where they, like, equipped cars with, you know, lights on Mm -hmm. it. They're, too, like, EL wire, Tron style, you know, to go um you know have that have that kind of experience which is crazy and you can push it cars can explode and you don't have to worry about people being
1: inside <laughs> there too so you know that's, that's,
0: that's a good
1: point so, so but uh, we don't want to take it too far Austin. <laughs> <Yeah>. so yeah uh,
0: <laughs> yeah that uh, costs money right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no
1: formula one cars uh, i think they shouldn't be totally autonomous right yeah to- so. totally
3: totally agree well and, that, and that's i think that's the last bucket there too is that um, I, I think what's interesting is that, yeah, in the, in the case of a formula, I, I, yeah, I don't think that's going to be autonomous anytime soon, as it shouldn't be. Like, it's, right. that's, part of, that's part of the whole experience is seeing the driver, seeing that. But what is cool and what's interesting that I think will ultimately come about in, you know, uh, years and months and years to come is that when you can apply these things not in the car itself, But like, for example, around the track, you know, for a vehicle, um, then you can know the exact, you know, centimeter level precision of where everything is, you know, you could race drivers after the fact, you know, in these, again, in simulation, you can do lots of cool things. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, Mercedes has been a, you know, historical leader and longtime champion in Formula One and just uh, something to be I mean, by the way, it's incredible how you've been able to do that and, like, have your auto business and everything else at the same time <laughs> yeah. there. It's, it's really uh, a feat Yeah,
1: that's the fun that. part of my job, you know, <laughs> being also the chairman of the Formula One team. And so, uh, you know, I, I'd like to see Lewis Hamilton for a long time.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So, so, uh, exactly. so uh, we want to see, and it's, it's about emotions. So Formula One is about emotions exactly. and people and stories. Uh, and so, so, but also technology yeah so yes. also technology and I think there's an angle where we should use technology and transfer technology from racing to streetcars right exactly but exactly. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking forward to have still drivers in the car. Yes, yes.
2: That's not going away. Absolutely. (laughs) Also, I don't know. Every time I watch a Formula One race, all I can think is, I wish I could drive like that. And don't we want to also maybe sit in our cars and watch these races? Yes, yes. I feel like then you can feel like you're Lewis Hamilton a little bit in your EQS. But 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 you you know
3: what's cool? I heard heard an interesting comparison the other day there, too, that um, it was someone asked, so, you know basically when when you have these kinds of autonomous capabilities and next gen safety and like this lidar enabled capabilities you know you're basically giving drivers like superhuman type capabilities i mean you're you're almost you know making everyone having the reaction time of Lewis Hamilton, Mm. like, you know, Eh. isn't that, isn't that a, 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 well. (laughs) Almost there. Almost almost (laughs) there. Well, if you, if you think about it, like, I mean, if you're, you're talking, you know, these things are counted in milliseconds too, in terms of how, from an autonomous driving, even like, you know, when people are going off the line, like a, a good time is, you know, uh, a couple hundred milliseconds. Like, so. Like 0.21. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exa- exactly, yeah, exactly. I actually it's know like, the exact well, number. I think yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have
0: a fan here.
2: Yeah,
3: exactly. Yes. So you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we have some awesome questions that have been streaming in. So Chris Cunningham, he says, Mercedes has a heritage of performance vehicles geared towards the driving enthusiast. How will you continue to uphold this tradition when cars become autonomous?
1: Well, cars will become autonomous more and more. and be- and, and different ways, and we explained the level one, two, three, four, five. Uh, definitely, uh, we will be uh, providing assistance uh, with the utmost goal of safety. And you mentioned that, uh, Austin. Um, we're sharing the goal of making traffic much more safer and, uh, you know, protect lives. I mean, that's the ultimate goal there. And then the second is, of course, provide time, give back time to our customers. But, you know, when it comes to the AMG division which we are very, very proud of. And we're, by the way, we're working on the next level of AMG cars uh, and electric AMG cars. So the new platform is coming out. Um, definitely these cars will be for driving. Yeah. These cars will be for driving. And we know we have so many fans around the world. And uh, yes, there will be electric AMGs, uh, stunning. And I can promise you that will blow your mind. That will blow <laughs> your mind. but. Um, Again, awesome. whenever you, <laughs> whenever you are in a traffic jam in LA or you know San Francisco or here in Austin, I mean sometimes you know you just want to hand over the task and do something else. So we will never forget about you know the fun of of driving and self-driving a car, and it will be always always there.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe also adding thrill in new ways, right? Mm-hmm. If you think about that experience, I'm sure you're probably thinking in that direction too. I mean, if you're if you've got driving on one side. What are you going to do? That's also going to, you know, make your heart race. Um, there's there's so many ways that the you know multisensory experience can get activated there inside the cabin too. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. We call it the immersive experience, and uh, you know we are in a fantastic situation because the car is a concun. It's a concun. It's not like only a smartwatch, you know, that has a display and maybe uh, vibrations. The car is a whole set of sensors and actuators all around you, and you can create an immersive experience that absolutely is going to be stunning. And that's what you're going to see in the cars of the future. And, uh, uh, you know, we have some demo cars that would be showed uh, in in Sunnyvale a couple of weeks ago to some journalists. I mean, they blow your mind what Mm -hmm. you can do. And it's just the beginning.
0: I feel like this is an important question. Um, how are companies looking at security and the potential of hackers accessing your car? Because again, cars have turned into big computers now. So, how, how are you looking at that?
1: Well, safety, safety and security of, of data and the entire system is, is, is top priority. It's our top priority. And this has to be built deeply in the system. So, when we're creating a system, our operating system of the vehicle. So this is the core focus uh, of our team to ensure safety and security uh, of our system there. That's how the system is built from a semiconductor chip level to the entire cloud level. It's, that's why it's so important, it's in our complete control. So we control our operating system and we control even access to our own cloud. So the Mercedes Benz, Intelligent Cloud, that's something we did build with the best experts in the world. And we have a large uh, security organization, cybersecurity organization, which is spread around the world, monitoring the performance of our cars, the security of our systems, 24-7, uh, 365 days. So uh, they are every second monitoring what's going on. And yes, uh, we are trying to attack also our system, our own system, Just to make sure it's really really bulletproof but it's a moving target it's a moving target uh, and you know we're on it uh, every day uh, to keep the safety level that uh, you know we promise our customers and especially when it comes to the higher levels of automation it's becoming even even more important
0: Okay, well, Austin, this one might be well. This is for Marcus and Austin, but why did Mercedes-Benz pick Luminar over other lidar makers? So, what did Luminar do to make this relationship happen? Put you on the spot here,
1: Austin. Well, <laughs> also, yeah, go ahead. So, uh, I mean, I mean, we we scan the whole world, and you know, we are a global car maker, and uh, so. The engineers my engineers are present in basically every every country around the world so we scan the markets look at technology every angle of the world and uh, so we ended up with austin and, and lumina because uh, this technology i mean just looking ahead down the road 600 meters with a new iris lidar that's something that is not available mm-hmm. it wasn't available from any other tech player in the world it wasn't an early stage it was not production ready, so and if you if you're really cutting edge, you have to co-develop stuff, right? It's not something that's already in the shelf and we just take. It. That's not us. That's not us. It's a co-development, cutting edge, and uh, so it's a match in technology, but also a match in you know management and and your commitment, uh, Austin, that you're giving to the company, and to your your investors, which we're very confident that you guys. Cannot only do cutting-edge product, but also deliver it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
3: and that's that's what counts. Is you you got to have the technology, and you got to have the execution. And what you know, you I, I think uh, what well, you have your guys' motto: the best or nothing. Right. So, it <laughs> right. rings true in all fronts. So, um, but uh, but thank you for the uh, amazing partnership all around there too. And uh, we're 100% committed to see us through scale and make this happen with you guys um, well into the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have time for a couple more questions. So, Christoph asks, "Will everyone be able to afford level four and five, or will this remain as a add-on?"
1: That's a very good question. You know, in in our history, 137 years, um, take the S class. Our S class was always uh, full of technology. so it was always cutting edge technology Uh, and what happened over time, we started we had the means to put this technology in an S-Class but it trickled down over time to all the other cars let's take all the airbag and and, uh, ESP many many systems that were just available in the upper end luxury cars but now they are mainstream so somebody has to start and be the pioneer and spend all this millions in r&d and you know bring it really in the first car but over time it scales it scales and um, it trickles down to mass cars so i believe uh, somebody has to do it and we are ready to do it to do the investment that's us and i'm sure over time it's gonna trickle down uh, to the mass markets and uh, will be available um, for for you know broad audience
0: Hmm. Um, owning a car has always been I feel like very personal Uh, and so this question from Antonio I feel like is a good one do you believe that autonomous cars will end car ownership if a car can drive itself to whenever and wherever you need it might be shared instead of owned
1: Uh, I truly believe that two things will uh, uh, Mm co-exist so this is private ownership it will continue and, uh, you know, if you live in a rural area, and uh, I do also live in the Black Forest, rural area, and my son is even here today, just, you know, there's there's even not a bus there. And, you know, it depends that you have a car, so kids do have a car. But if, if I'm in a big city, I mean, I like to hop on maybe a, a robo-taxi. So I believe there's a world tomorrow where both coexist and uh, I don't believe in that car ownership uh, is going to end.
0: Mm This next question might be for both RJ and Marcus. Do you view autonomous driving with entertainment as a scaled advertising revenue opportunity, or do you want to retain the purity of the experience? So the question's a little bit leading from Rob, but uh, what do you think, RJ? Yeah,
2: I think Rob has a point of view on this. <laughs> yes. From his question. I mean, I don't think we're there yet. Right now, what we need to do is ensure that the experience that you have in the vehicle is matching to what users want to do to fill their time. And that is our number one priority. That's what we're doing. One of the things with Zinc that I think is very unusual, normally when you have a streaming service that you're accessing from a car, a tablet, any digital device, you can't do anything unless you've logged in, unless you've made an account, unless you've taken an action. And that is the the antithesis of the zinc philosophy which is that you should just be able to get in your car open zinc and watch something we don't want to have friction we just want to make it that you really feel that this is your personal environment your personal time that you can you can spend it how you like and so i think in our in our mindset and also mercedes benz has shared in that vision as well Um, This is the value that we're providing to customers who choose Mercedes-Benz. So um, I don't think that we're really looking at that space at the moment. Mm
3: The value of the whole ecosystem that you're creating is, is amazing there too, to be able to see what, like I said, all these other things that can be enabled once you have these autonomous driving capabilities. It's really, really special. For sure. Yeah.
2: But even also, Marcus, you know, one of the things that I know that you and I have talked about too is sometimes you want to watch the evening news on the way home, right? We have to also have the regional content in there. We have to have, you know, it cannot just be uh, one form of event. But I
1: promise you something, you will not be bothered by, by advertising. Oh, well, there you go. You heard it class. here first. Uh, it's, it's a first class experience, really, uh, that, that, that we want. And uh, mm-hmm. so facing the customer, <laughs> uh, we don't want to annoy customers with advertising and the
0: <laughs> Love it. Amazing. Well, thank you, everyone, for being here. Marcus, RJ, Austin, um, thank you so much. Uh, and yeah, thanks for being here and enjoy your South by Southwest.